Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to the first episode of the 2019 season here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. I want to take a second to thank each and every one of you, whether you're listening for the first time or listening to the show weekly. Your support in the first few months of this show has been amazing. Equally important is the support that we've seen on social media. All the followers, shares, comments, and likes mean the world to us and play a huge role in spreading the word and the benefits of the horse in healing the human. Now this week we have guest Robert Gonzalez from Robert Gonzalez Horsemanship in California. Robert is an experienced horseman who specializes in the emotional support and rehabilitation of horses. So oftentimes on the show, we hear stories of how the horse has benefited the damaged or broken human being. Well, Robert takes a very unique approach in returning the favor in helping many horses that the humans have given up on. Now, if you have a horse with performance anxiety issues, aggression, or any other ill behaviors, then this episode is for you. Now, should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. I hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is Robert Gonzalez. Robert, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I want to thank you very much for taking time out of this early morning to sit down with us here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. I know we're only a handful of hours into the 2019 season. We'd like to very much thank you for being guest number one here going into this this new year. Well, thank you for having me, and I'm very excited about the new year and all the new things coming. How did uh, how did 2018 finish up for you? Yeah, 2018 was a good year. I met a lot of really neat people and you know, made some changes and things. And think about the journey of 2018, and I I smile and it makes me happy. The people and the horses I've been able to help through this year and and just the growth in, in my life. And I'm excited about this new journey for 2019 and the new things coming. Yeah, and we'll go into a lot more detail into your company, Robert Gonzalez Horsemanship. But what are some new changes or, or plans for 2019 season for you? Well, I have a new facility to work with, and I'm putting together a new website. I'm gonna. I started an apprenticeship program this year to help people that want to learn my methods and the way I do things. And I did a new Facebook page uh, for Robert Gonzalez Live Horsemanship, and so that I can build on that and use more of a business page. And I'm starting to do videos, uh, start filming videos this year. My goal is to do one video a week to help people understand my way of working with horses and to help horses as I work with a lot of problem horses and misunderstood horses. So I want to help people have an understanding of the way I do things so that they can help their horses too. Yeah, and I'm pretty excited to get into today's episode. Obviously, horsemanship is kind of a topic on this on this podcast and on this show, but you cover a lot of the emotional work or the emotional side of working with horses in support of the horse. We'll get into details with that a little bit later, but why don't you kind of introduce yourself to guests and, and how you got your start growing up and, and how you got to where you are today? My name is Robert Gonzalez, and I live on uh, Royal Grande, California. Growing up, uh, my dad trained horses, and so I was around horses and cattle, you know, growing up and, and uh, just learning and being around horses. You know, when you're a kid, you're growing up, you're just riding and having fun and hanging out with your friends and doing fun things. And as a teenager, moving up to Northern California, I had a lot of friends that did ranch work and rode horses and and is horses seem from the time I was I can remember I've always had horses in my life and it's been to me I, I I love it because my passion today is helping horses to become the best they can be and to help people understand so they can come become better with their horses and actually become a better team and helping people understand that uh, there's a whole new approach to things we have some amazing horsemen out there and horse women that help horses grow and teach people with their methods and and to see the changes in the horsemen's horses and the humans over the last you know 15 years has been amazing and the talent that's out there and with social media and you get to see the videos of people working and doing the things they do and it's just so uh, makes me happy to see the people interact with their horses and to learn and to grow 
And my passion is to help horses become better. I tell my clients all the time, let's just get your horse a smile back so that your horse can enjoy having fun as well. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting approach that you take. In thinking back in your horsemanship journey and your horsemanship career, what was a defining moment that kind of made you focus on the emotional work of, of horsemanship? I want to say 18 years ago, a lot of horses were going to, you know, going to the killer or going through bad times and people would just get rid of them. And it's just what happened in that time. And it's like, you know, working with horses I and a lot of my friends and ranch friends and just people and that I've met in my journey, I knew there was a better way to help horses. The, the, these horses, because they were aggressive or uh, shut down from due to performance or just life in general. And it made me think a lot about being a human. It's like, you know, you never think about the emotional side of the horse. But as a human, I started to wonder, uh, no, I knew there was a, a component missing in the horse part of it. But I started thinking about the human, how, you know, when I'd go to a job or do something, how the emotions affected me. If my, if you're stressed or if someone passes away, a friend or a family member, and you're grieving and how sad you are. And then when you're happy, you're laughing. And so all these emotions, I started really st trying to study and read about the emotions, how they affect the human. Well, they, you know, as humans, we contract 60 different emotions in our body, and it can go back seven generations. And so with horses, they contract 45 different emotions, and it, it's the same. And so the thing that really helped me and made me change was I wanted to get better in my mind to help the horses get better and to find a new way. And so I started working with problem horses and just really taking the time to read, just to read the horse one component at a time. And over, you know, a few years, I started to really build this scale of the horse in my head. And so the horses I was working with, I was helping them get better and move forward. And now I've been doing it for so long. It's just, I have this hands-on approach to where I, when I'm working with the horse, I have the mental and emotional side, but the physical side just is important. And so we can talk more about how it all wraps up in a little bit later but that was the turning point for me is I just got tired of seeing horses go to the killer truck and and just being discarded like they weren't important I knew that having a trainer on every corner I wanted to be better and I wanted to be better for my horse and so you know I started doing a lot more and just really getting in, in depth with the emotional side of the horse and how it affects the physical side it's all impressive stuff that you talk about here and and you bring up a point of human beings and horse alike contracting emotions and then those emotions going back generations. Can you kind of elaborate or develop that concept a little bit more and explain what the contraction of an emotion is and, and how it affects an individual or a horse generationally? Sure. You know, as humans, we're straight line thinkers. So a lot of our emotions, they contract in our body through our head, neck, shoulders, and, and different places in our body. And horses are independent thinkers, right eye, left eye. So one thing I noticed with the horses are, you know, you have, you basically have horse A and horse B and there's 56 contraction points on each side of your horse. And so those emotions, whether there's anxiety, stress, depression, hurt anxiety, there's so many different emotions that categorize into muscle groups around vital organs and through the horse's body. A lot of it is, you know, the emotions, they contract around the whole face and through the tongue and the cheek and the jaw and the eyes and the, all the way through from the front of their you know lips to all the way through their tail. And so just like you do, when you're stressed, your, your shoulders, your people get tight or whatever emotions you're dealing with in your life, whether it's happiness, sadness, grief, depression, anything like that, you have different contractions in your muscle because your mind is controlling the emotion. It's something that's kind of a, it's kind of, people talk about emotions with the horses, but they don't get in the depth like I do with the horses. And so horses have energy releases by kicking, striking, biting, bolting, rearing, and emotional releases are, are different. And so we have to go deeper with the horses to let them um, find softness and to ha have a reason to try. And so the emotions can affect health and they also affect your performance, if, whether it's a show horse or uh, just a trail horse or ranch horse. A mini or a draft horse, it, it affects every, each and every one. And, and what discipline you ride, English or Western, it doesn't matter. I see in every every aspect of the horse world. And basically, any living organism has emotions, and it, it deals with energy, and there's a lot of variables to it. But the emotions are so, so important, and it's a whole new thing. And I feel very blessed and very grateful that I've been given the gifts that I have to help horses become better. So... 
you bring up some interesting points in there and we talk about I equate I oftentimes equate equine performance to to human athletic performance. Uh-huh. And and through our previous conversations when we first started talking about the emotional effect on the physical performance of a horse, I, I equate it to a human being, right? We've all had tension headaches or yeah. we've all retained performance anxiety to a level where you get kind of nauseous or you get butterflies, right? Yes. And in human performance, right, you always warm up and stretch and, and do calisthenics. And a lot of that stuff is to physically prepare your body. But I think people often overlook the mental warm up or the mental preparation that's associated with the physical warm up. And it makes absolute sense in the horse. How many times do people just saddle up a horse and then go gather cattle? How many times do people load up a horse and then they go rope on it, right? There's very little uh, focus put on getting the horse physically prepared. Let me rephrase that. There's very, there's little performance put on the physical preparation and even less put on the mental preparation. And I think you bring up a very interesting point in how emotion physically affects a horse. Now, when you're starting to develop your program in the early phases of your career, what are some of those first steps that you took or, or first revelations that you had in your discovery and, and working with the emotional side of the horse, finding the physical release? I think in the beginning, uh, when I was working on horses that, not just problem horses or horses that were misunderstood, but just horses in general, you know, I, I really started to think about body tension and muscle tension and that kind of stuff that you could physically see. And things I noticed, like when the horse's head is down, I, I label that as number one, being the softest. And uh, the horse's head all the way up is 10. And, you know, the more I work with horses uh, to find the, a natural state of mind, the horse's head needs to be four or lower. And once, so the, in the beginning, I always was, would look for muscle tension in the horses, you know, one being the softest, 10 being the hardest. And depending on what where I was, whether I was at a, watching, you know, reining horses or doing ranch work or just around horses at certain places or going work with clients around. One thing I always did is I always wanted to feel the horse and see how much, how much muscle tension was in there. Kind of like being muscle fatigue, kind of like us. The more stress, more anxiety and things you have, you, your muscles are tight and you know, unless you relax, you're never going to let that muscle fatigue go away and get that blood out of the muscle so you can relax. And so that's one big component of something I started to look for a long time ago is how to get the horse to relax and soften, not just through, you know, body massage or things like that, because that stuff does help. There's a lot of you know things to it. And so, but there was always a component missing. And I've, you know, understanding how powerful the emotions are once you can get the emotions to connect to the physical you can soften the horse from the inside out and change them within like an hour to two hours you can you can change the muscle tension you can change the there's so much to change in the horse by connecting and working with the emotions to soften the physical side into and then there's this whole aspect of getting the physical part working to teach your horse to find softness whether that's it's cookie carrot it's reward something they crave and embrace and look for all the time. And so that along with the people taking the five senses of the horse away, that was another thing I noticed a long time ago is people get in such a big hurry. The horse from the time their babies learn how to use their senses, eyes, ears, smell, feel, the muzzle, touch of the feet. And people take this horse's senses away and they, the horse learns to block it out or, and then the emotions just start stacking up and some horses either shut down, they get aggressive or they're just like, I don't know if you've ever seen horses where their eyes are just complacent and stuck and dull and you could literally just like toss your ball cap at them and they won't even blink. And it's like those emotions have taken over and the horse is just basically shut down. It really affects the performance of the horse and the relationship of the horse and the mental stability of the horse. Yeah, I think it comes down to a lack of understanding on the human's part. And obviously horsemanship is a constant evolution, but I just had a conversation with a friend the other day how we talked about that emotional occlusion, how we almost deprive the horse of the ability to explore, right? Everybody wants their horse to be so focused on whatever task the human has decided that we take the horse's ability away to to check out an environment when it goes back to the whole performance anxiety thing. I mean, it goes back to the telltale story of, hey, my horse was amazing at our home facility or our home barn or the place that we ride every single day. And then when I take him to a new environment, they act a lot different, right? They're a lot more hot yeah. and anxious and, and they don't focus. Well, we're sitting there trying to, we're being the human being, sitting there trying to get this horse's attention rather than letting the horse kind of explore the environment a little bit and then get into the work or whatever the task is at hand. Right. And I see it a lot. I, 
you know, it's great to have a job with a horse. I think the more you do, the better they are. They need a job. They get bored. They To be a jumper or to do dressage or be a rein or a rain cow horse or a rope horse or just a ranch horse or just a good trail horse or just a horse to have fun with. And I think a lot of people really need to focus on having fun. And, and if you're not smiling and having fun, there's a problem. And so I work with a lot of clients and, and a lot of horses that people are just so disconnected or they're, they're not happy with their horse or they you know don't really understand how the horse functions. And, and, uh, and I love being there to help them get better and understand their horse better. But I think learning about the horse and take slowing down and not getting greedy and just learning about how the horse functions and how about her dynamics and I can eye the front, middle, and back of the eye and how horses perceive and understand things. I was going to say, now, do you have maybe a core or a staple set of resources that an individual, if they had interest in educating themselves in this line of work, do you have material or resources or approaches in which you could guide people to? When I started reading about the emotions, I just looked it up online, how the emotions affect the human and uh, how the emotions contribute to health in humans and that kind of stuff. And then I really started to understand the anatomy of horses, you know, the skeletal structure, muscle structure, what muscles supported what the other muscles. And, you know, there's so many things to do. And, and I, once I started really focusing and really paying attention to balance and, you know, how the horse works and independent thinking of the horse, right eye, left eye, and how to get and one thing people do all the time is they they just always go forward with the horse and the horse naturally goes forward all the time they have that pendulum effect in the leg so they don't build up the back muscles and those ab muscles and hind end and, and chest muscles and things that they need to develop because they're always having that pendulum effect going forward but circle work has to be part of what you do with your horse because the more circle work you do the more confidence you build with your horse one eye at a time horse a and horse b and then you teach your horse how to use their body correctly. Well, I do a lot of backing work. I do a lot of lateral work. I do a lot of conditioning of the back of the eye, teaching the eye how to connect to the hind end. And you have certain body parts that connect other body parts that people don't train to connect to the emotional side to find softness. And what are some examples of that, that connection and uh, eye connection and body part connection? Well, if you think about the horse's eye being forward, where the eye, the eye can rotate forward, they're looking out of the front of the eye. Then they, they'll roll it back and look at the middle eye. And then when, let's just say uh, when you pick up, your, if you weren't doing groundwork or riding, when you pick up your rein, the horse's eye should rotate to the back of the socket. And when, when the horse's eyes train correctly, like the left eye will connect to the right shoulder and through that foot. And so if you, if you ever get, it's, it's hard to watch it when you're doing it, but if you see someone that's doing it, that knows how to set the eye to connect to the outside foot, when the, when the eye is rotated to the back of the socket, when the right foot leaves the ground, the eye will actually pulsate uh, every time that foot leaves the ground. and then Or some horses will actually blink in time with that outside foot. And so training the eye to connect to the outside shoulder so that you can, you can actually have the whole horse involved and not just part of the horse. Kind of like having your horse bend all the time and you never bring the outside of the horse to the inside. You, you have to have the whole horse involved. Like, you know, I start teaching people on the ground that when you're working on the line, don't let your horse just look away. You know, get your horse's outside ear looking forward so you know the eyes forward and you're getting curvature to the horse's body. You don't want the horse looking away and dropping the shoulder and ribcage to the inside. So we get the horse involved where you're using a whole horse and not just part of it and building a better connection mentally and emotionally and physically. And I think balance is a huge part of horses and horsemanship from the fact of physical balance, right? But you talk about the mental health side as well and the mental well-being of the horse. So often we get a lot of these performance horses or timed event horses, and they're so phenomenal at their discipline. And you can use the quote-unquote stereotypical dressage horse, right? When they're competing, they do absolutely amazing things. When you absolutely. get outside of that arena, they oftentimes lose their marbles, right? And it comes, it, it falls back. I, I believe it falls back on that balance, right? They're in their element in the arena, Yet when they're outside of their element, they're overwhelmed and cannot process all the input that's coming in from the from the environment. And seeking a foundational balance in a horse yeah. is obviously beneficial to the animal. And I think oftentimes we lose sight of that. That if if we do arena work, man, we got to get outside and we got to explore a little bit and we got to do other things to keep the interest and and keep right. the motivation and the drive in the animal. Yeah, and it's the same when you have ride horses outside all the time and you have to go to an inside environment. It's a, it's a different change and it's more pressure. And so um, you see it on both aspects of that. You know, it's a vicious circle. 
It is very much so. But it's difficult for everybody to achieve for the simple fact is like you, you'd mentioned earlier, you know, great time to be involved in horsemanship. There's access to so much good information. Well, with the advent of social media and YouTube and all these different platforms, it's easy for anybody to put videos out there and call themselves yeah. an expert, right? Right. So as a consumer, you do have to do your due diligence and you do have to try really, really hard to find those credible resources that are putting out valuable, experienced information. And that being said, I mean, horses, one horse can be a full-time job if you really think about it and you truly chase the perfection and the balance of all of it. That's very true. And, you know, I, I've had people for years asking me why I don't do videos. And the simple reason I don't, I, I did not personally do videos is because I think people see things on a video, they try to do it and they don't get the full effect of they're not watching the horse or reading the horse or they're just going through a motion because a, a, a physical it's kind of like hitting a baseball on a, on a tee for a tee ball. You watch a video of it, you just go out and hit the ball off the tee ball. But there's so many aspects of learning to bring things to a, a, a light that you can understand. It's like you have to build a, a balance. And the balance uh, mentally, emotionally, and physically comes from so many different aspects of things. Oh, gosh, it's, there's so many components of things to talk about. But, you know, I think the, the senses of the horse and finding softness and, and you know, horses dealing with, PTSD and people dealing with PTSD and we have soldiers coming home that need help and having that whole new avenue of me going like over to Scotland and working with Horseback UK. But the biggest component that I see is people are just in a hurry and don't take the time to read the horse. But I think if people really understood how to understand the horse and how to think like the horse and learn to read what your horse is telling you. I think it's all very valuable points that you make in discussing that. I don't think people, generally speaking, understand what their horse is trying to convey to them when there's a physical presentation, right? And obviously, that, that physical presentation has an emotional side attached to it. And we've discussed previously, maybe putting some video material together to kind of expand on these concepts. So when, when we talk about it, right, people have a reference to go back and physically look at. Now, I'd like to caveat into an interesting point that you brought up about Horseback UK. Yes. So I've had many previous guests that are combat deployed veterans. They came home. They went through traditional mental health treatment routes. They were less than successful in those, those methods of treatment. These individuals started to see a lot of success when they started to work with the horse. Can you please explain to people what Horseback UK is all about and your involvement with Horseback UK? Horseback UK in Scotland is it's a charity and it's ran by the wounded military for the wounded military. And the owners, Jock and Emma, are just amazing people. And they've set this program up to help veterans to overcome and work with PTSD and, and their physical ailments, whether they're riding with prosthetic limbs or just working with horses. And so when I was very uh, fortunate and I got asked to go in 2012 to Horseback UK with another trainer, and it was just an amazing experience my first time. And I've been back since, but to see how horses really help the veterans. I mean, a lot of these guys are afraid to leave their house. I mean, they're afraid to go out their back door and to deal with PTSD or, you know, I, I worked with a lot of the people there that, you know, are riding with prosthetic limbs and just physical ailments and they're around the horses. Like some of these people come and what horseback does is they put them back in their environment of, you know, staying housed together and back to that mindset of being a unit and, a, and, a, and working together. And seeing people come in like on a Monday and they're not even around horses and how, you know, some are pretty afraid to be around the horses. And then, you know, they, they do the classroom stuff and then they work on wooden horses and teach them how to saddle and halter and, and do all that. And then they're brushing and, and they're tacking and, and then they're getting, you know, doing groundwork. And then by you know, Wednesday, they're riding horses and they're out on a on Friday. They're going out on a ride down the River D and just getting out on a trail ride. And so. What really got me the most when I started really seeing the changes with people is you see people come in on a Monday or a Sunday and they're pretty shut off or just kind of, and then by Wednesday, you're starting to see them come out of their shell a little bit. And then by Friday, they're like, you start seeing them smiling and having fun and just, and how the horses changed them over just a week. And so horseback has involved so much over the few years I've been able to help them and, and be a part of their team. And I'm so honored and so grateful that they, you know, we keep in touch and, and I'm able to help them and, and see what the, how they help people just become so much better with their general life, you know, um, and 
horses have been that stepping stone to help them. And now with this year, with you know, with horseback, they're working with the re- rehabilitation of race horses, and they're using thoroughbreds to train for therapy. And they have so many different irons in the fire right now, and it's just a, such a wonderful thing to see them grow. To see these guys, you have people like Jay and, and Jock, the Royal Marines, and they are in it. They've been through the work. You know, they understand because they're dealing with their own stuff. And so to have this charity that helps veterans and helps people, not just, but they work with a lot of kids and they work with corporate management to become better. So they've taken what they have and they've made it such a positive influence using the horse. And it's such a great thing to see. And I'm just, I, I can't say enough about them. Yeah. And I don't know if there's any large entities out there. I mean, there's, there's tons of programs. I mean, I've, I've hosted some of these programs on the show that that work with veterans and their smaller outfits, but they're founded a lot on the same exact premise, right? The individuals yeah. running these organizations have experience. They were in the military, yeah. they were deployed, they've been through it, they've struggled, yeah. they've found their way, they've recovered, and now they're out ministering to others and trying to show people the benefits of the horse. And I think when you talk about anybody who's in a stress-related field, whether it's law enforcement, military, any of the emergency services, the tough part, I think, when when... The tough part in going through it, right, is that a lot of these people are trained to suppress stress or the reactions of stress, right? So your body still perceives it, you internalize it. However, there's no way or very little ways for these individuals to metabolize that stress and get rid of it at the end of the day. Right. Through your journeys, you start to lose your identity a little bit. And then if if you get out of any given career, right, now you start to lose your identity of of leadership and camaraderie and, and all those elements that you discuss. And Right. And I've had a few previous guests who run organizations and they try to reinstill that in these veterans and these service members that it just because you lost your identity in a, any given career doesn't mean you've lost your leadership abilities. And right. just because you're not with the unit you were deployed with doesn't mean you, you can't be a, a comrade of another individual with another common purpose, right? In this, in this horsemanship, in this healing thing. Yeah. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. And I tell people, and I will tell people this until the day that I die, that I truly believe that that God has put the horse here on earth to teach man how to better live their lives. And it it doesn't have to just be a rehabilitation thing. I mean, there's so many life lessons with leadership and patience and firmness and fairness and purpose, right? Things that can people can employ in, in everyday life to make them so much more valuable, to make life so much more rich and get, get so much more out of it. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, horses are amazing animals. They give you so much and, you know, we, we, I think, as humans, don't really have. With me personally, I'll never learn all about the horse. I mean, I'm always a student of the horse. I'm always learning about uh, horses. Teach me something every day. Naturally, horses go forwards, backwards, right, left, up, and down. But a horse has over 200 variations of body movement, and when when they're working and going through stuff, and so they're amazing animals. And and they'll they're so they're, for the most part they're pretty forgiving, and they they really want to be a part of something and. That's one thing I've noticed too with the emotional work that I do. I mean, I can I can work on a horse right in front of the owner, and you can watch the horse literally change within an hour, hour and a half. I mean, physically change, and it just kind of blows their mind. But you don't realize how much how how the emotions, how the horse holds on to the emotions, and how it affects so much stuff. You know, I can look at a horse, and in a couple of minutes, I can tell you where the horse is going to be off. Whether you're at a horse show or doing something, I can tell you where the contractions are in your horse, and when the muscles are contracted or already fatigued. Uh, you're going to have weak components in the muscle just like you are as a human. So taking the time to really understand. And with the veterans and the horses, the connection they have, I think in the beginning, like a horseback, they don't really really know what to expect. But when they're with that same horse every single day, and then by the end of the week, they they start uh, having a relationship and start communicating better. And then they start having fun and, and becoming a team. And I think that's what's so good about the horse is it helps them bring back that team environment and and having something that they can have a connection with. Yeah, they grow together. They they yeah, they, they foster foster leadership in each other. Yes, for sure. So, in our pursuit of education in this show, let's go back and kind of touch base on your program. You run Robert Gonzalez Horsemanship out of California. Yes. Let's discuss some of the facets of your program and the services you offer. I know earlier you mentioned that you have an apprenticeship program. If people were interested in the emotional work side of it and your horsemanship methods, 
where do they start and how can they get into these programs? Well, with the apprenticeship program that I started, um, when I take horses in for training, I do the emotional work along with the, the training and, and lessons. And, and I, I, it's so important to get the, the owner involved with the horses that I want that because I have to build that. You have to know what the horse is doing and the horse needs to know what you're doing. So you guys have common ground and, and understand each other so you guys can succeed and be move forward. And so, you know, there's so many programs out there and there's so many amazing horse people out there. They just have, they're so talented. And so, you know, I, this is my things that I've developed for me, my equine development program that works for me. It works for the horses I have, because like I said, I, you know, I don't always just have like a normal horse that just comes in for training. A lot of my horses are misunderstood. They're aggressive. They're hurting people or, you know, it's like, and so I want to help people that want to really learn the aspect of the horse from the inside out. Um, not just about the riding portion of the groundwork. I want to teach them how to understand the mechanics of the horses. Um, you know, it's kind of like if you get a new car, you learn how to use the radio, the air conditioner, the shifter, the brake, the emergency brake, and, the, you know, the essentials. But if you learn how to tear the car apart and put it back together one piece at a time, you have a pretty good understanding of how the car is going to function. Well, it's the same with my horsemanship stuff. What I've done is I've basically essentially tore, put all the nuts and bolts on the table, and I've taking the horse apart one piece at a time and put it back together in my head one piece at a time so that I have things that are working mentally, emotionally, and physically for the horse to have a better balance and a better production for the horse to see the changes, to give the horse something positive, and to always let the horse have wins so that they can be appreciated and they're not just dirt bikes, you know? Absolutely. And you talk about a concept of understanding and engaging with a horse. What, what are some things that people can work on I mean, very, very elementary, fundamental things that somebody could go out and work with their horse on today to start that path in learning the horse and understanding the horse's emotional and physical presentations. I, I think for starters, I think when most people walk up to a horse, whether it's their own personal horse or just another horse, there's five things you should be looking for to even understand the horse. So I'm just going to give you a quick example. Like if you're at a shopping center and a person gets out of the car and they leave their headlights on and you walk up to that person and say, you know, sir, ma'am, you left your headlights on in your car. Uh, I just want to let you know. They would probably, if they understand English or your language that you're speaking, they'll go say thank you and they'll go turn the lights off on their car. But if you walk up to that same person and they just came here from another country and you don't understand how to speak their language and they don't understand your language and they left their lights on on their rental car, how do you communicate that to that person that they left their lights on in that car? Well, it's the same when you approach your horse. If you don't understand how to watch their eyes and their ears and if they're breathing and you know, that kind of stuff, and, and you're not watching the horse's feet. Here, a good example of this is if you walk up to a horse and if the horse's all four feet are straight, like if I was to take a Sharpie and draw a center line down each hoof, most horses that are nervous or afraid will always hold their foot turned in the angle that they want to leave. Okay, so the, the more confident your horse is and the more balanced mentally and emotionally and physically they are, the straighter the horse's feet are all the time. You know, so learning how to read your horse, it's hard to explain unless you physically see. But like, I can watch some people walk up to the horse and the horse is like already bulking away a little bit or the people put too much pressure on the horse and they're not reading that. It's so important to read your horse. If you, you know, Think about the horse being the light bulb and you're the dimmer switch on the wall. You have to be able to control your energy and your and your physical. Don't just go up to your horse and just like put a lot of pressure on it. You know, when you're walking up to your horse, look at your horse's eyes. Look at his ears. See if it's connected to you. Don't let your horse look away when you're putting the halter on. Bring your horse's eye to the inside. Little things like that. Just slow down. Don't get in a hurry. Don't get greedy. Just slow down. You know, we we as humans are in such a big hurry. And we understand time. You know, we understand the concept of seconds, minutes, days, weeks, months, years. Horses don't. They live in the moment. They live in the right now. They're prey animals and we're predators. So take the time to slow down. Just slow your body motion down. Learn to read your horse. You know, I, I see horses go, people go to saddle them up. The, they, 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 the horse is all tense and cringing on the side because it's like anticipating that pressure. And people don't slow down enough to just teach the horse to find softness. And the biggest thing I can tell people is something I've learned that is so important is to let horses find softness. Because so many people don't let horses find softness. Like, by lowering their head or learning to relax. And there's so many other components to that. But 
it's important we take the time to let softness be their cookie, their carrot, their reward. Something the horse craves and embraces and looks for all the time, whether you're just trail riding or showing or just, you know, you just, you don't ever ride your horse. You just want to do groundwork and play. You, you have to find softness and learn to have a balance and learn to read your horse's body to find softness so that you can, when, when your horse gives you softness, you have to know when to give it back. And you have to be able to read your horse to stay and, and find that feel, that timing, that, that balance. And, and so it's important that you take the time as a person to just stop for a minute and just read, your, look at your horse and say, you know, you look very tense or stressed today or, or the eye, you know, watch the horse's eye. Learn how to read your horse. Look it up on Google. How, you know, look up the expressions of horses. Look up muscle tension. Learn to read about that kind of stuff because once you just do those five, five major components, those things of looking at the horse's feet, the horse's eyes, the horse's ears, muscle tension, how high is the head, how low is the head. Just take those five things and put them to use and put them in your pocket and do it every day. You'll see changes in your horse when you start to be aware of the muscle tension and, and reaction of your horse. And this is very difficult stuff that we're talking about. I mean, they're very simple concepts, right? Observe your horse, yep. pay attention to your horse. But when you get to the actual practical exercise or the practical deployment of these concepts, it's very difficult to do. And you alluded to, alluded to it earlier. Um, we're speaking two different languages. Oftentimes we apply... Yes. Human communication and human thought to our approach to horses where, I mean, you really, really, really got to educate yourself to understand how the horse communicates and then have the awareness in yourself to change your approach to, to fit the needs of that horse and fit the communication style of that horse. So, yes, this stuff seems easy while we talk to it or talk about it, but when you get out there and actually start doing it, it's it, it's somewhat difficult to do and it takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of presence in the moment and awareness in yourself to understand where you are emotionally and what pressure is and how how you're imposing pressure on that horse and how that horse is receiving it. And I think a, a huge learning lesson for me recently this year is this concept of perception versus reception, right? And, and we'll take the example for cueing a horse up. We as a human being perceive ourselves as employing any kind of cue, whether that's picking up a horse's a barrel for collection or squeezing a horse up into a gate, right? Well, how we perceive that cue, we always have to be in that constant balance and measure of how that horse receives that cue. Because we could be perceiving that, hey, we're being soft and we're being gentle and we're, we're being slow in our approach. Yet, if you're not getting a reaction out of your horse that matches your perception, then there's an issue in receiving that message, right? So, it's, yes. it, it's constantly playing that balance that, although yes. me as a human being, I think I am doing something a certain way. Is my horse telling me and is a horse's reaction matching my intentions of my cure, my intentions of my my purpose? Well, that's a good point that you bring up because people teach horses how to be bracy. They quit horses in the wrong place. They're not looking for softness in the circles when they're working. Uh, what I mean about softness in the circles, whether you're working on the ground or riding, you want your horses to find be in the softest spot before you transition up and down. Well, most people don't even know what to look for when you're looking for softness in your circles to find that transition up and down so they'll just like walk trot uh, canter at certain positions and never really pay attention to where the horse is in the softest spot so, so if you teach your horse how to do things when they're braced up well you're already working against yourself because the muscles are already fatigued and they're already tight and you're gonna have not a, a very good connection with your horse but th for a perfect example of this is like if you're just working your horse on the ground at a walk and when the horse's head is coming down and the arch of the neck, you can actually see the muscles relax, right? So it's kind of like having, a, this, let's just say their muscles are rubber bands. So when the horse's head is coming up, the muscles are tighter into the shoulder. And then most people, they quit their horse when their head's up. You want your horse's head high? Keep quitting doing what you're doing when they're high. You want your horse soft? Learn to look for softness in your horse. And, and then, you know, you let your horse have that outlet of, teach them to find softness. And so what I do is when I'm working on the ground, whether it's a problem horse or just a, whatever uh, I'm doing, I do so many different things with horses. But first thing I have to do is I don't run them around the round pen. I don't want them looking away from me. I, I, I work them on a line. I want their outside ear forward and their eye forward. That way I know I have the outside of the horse involved with the inside. But the thing that's important is you want to make sure that you're teaching your horse to to find that softness. And so, and that's where you transition up and down because I see so many people 
you know, they quit their horses in the wrong places when they're backing up. They don't let the horse find softness. They wait to the horse's heads up and you just teach a horse to stay that way. And so there's so many components of finding softness and balance of the horse's feet and balance through the body of positions one through five and, and all these different things. But um, softness, softness, softness. I can't tell you enough to let your horse learn how to find softness. And it's very difficult to teach a feeling, right? It is. It, it, and And oftentimes I think at least in my journey, right? When I first started working with this horsemanship thing, you apply pressure, let's say trailer loading, for example, you have a a horse that has a difficult time loading in a trailer and you're trying to drive it up into a trailer, right? We look to release on the physical effort of the horse. Right. Whereas I started to see a lot more success when you release on the mental effort of the horse. Sure. But how do you explain that to somebody, right? It's a feeling in the line, right? Did the line just get a little bit more soft? Did you see yeah. the horse's body weight shift a little bit? Did their eyes soften up? Did their ears start pointing yeah. towards the trailer? Right. This is very, very difficult. We're talking about a lot of like fine-tuning horsemanship skills. Yes. Uh, but the goals are attainable. They absolutely are attainable. You just got to yeah. make it make it a priority and you got to kind of slow things yeah. down. And that that's where, I mean, I, I we've talked about my horse a million times over. I bought him with the attention to team roping, but I saw that emotionally he wasn't he had been successful as a team roping horse and probably would have been a successful team roping horse should I, should I continue down that route. But for me, it was seeking that education. And it's been a long road traveled. And, and I feel personally that the, the time that I've slowed down and kind of separated myself from the timed event stuff, although it's taking more time right now in my horsemanship journey, I think it's going to pay off tenfold in my yeah. experience down the road and, and truly preparing young horses and truly getting them invested in any given discipline or sport or whatever we're working on. Well, I look forward to coming to get to work with you and helping you with your horse and, and spending two or three or four hours with you so I can help you with your horse and help you both get better and become a better team. And so, and see the things that I do physically and being there to talk and things that I'm seeing with your horse and helping you find a better way. And, you know, I feel very blessed and very grateful every day I get to help people with their horses and help horses become better. And, you know, I've had people bring me horses that have gone to big name trainers and they're very common and very, very well known and they weren't able to fix them. And I've been able to have experiences, I guess, uh, because experience is something that's not, you can't buy it. You can't have someone give it to you. You just, it's something that's earned. And so uh, I've, you know, with the things that I've learned over the time of my life and I'm you know, just a blip in time really compared to, I mean, you think about stuff in Europe, it goes back to like 1500s and even farther and like the horsemen, horses have been around forever. And so I'm just a small, I'm just a small portion of it, but I've learned to help horses become better so that they don't have to get put down or, uh, or aren't, I can take their, they don't have to be aggressive. And I think another very important part of this is people need to understand that when horses are in a troubled place, it takes a long time to get them out of it. It's like, you know, there's no 30-day miracles out there. So if you feel like that's what you want or you're going to get, you're only asking for more trouble. But, you know, when horses are in a bad place and you have, it's one to six months, sometimes longer, to get a horse mentally, emotionally sound so that the physical part can be good. And so you have to get rid of the, I tell my clients, you got to get rid of the bad stuff to get to a neutral a neutral position so that the good stuff can start coming back into play. And so it's so important that people, if you have a horse, like a rescue horse or a horse that's troubled or a horse that's aggressive, you need to know that there's a lot involved to getting them healthy again. And they, they can be productive horses and be happy again. It's kind of like a person that, is going through troubles in their life or in a dark place. And if they don't get help with a therapist, you're not going to be fixed in one session. You know, you have to, if you need help, you get help. And so same with the horses, give them the time to heal. I feel very blessed and grateful that I have the tools that I've developed for myself to help horses become better again. And um, I feel, uh, to me, it just, I'm so humbled to be able to do this and see a horse change and get better and get their smile back. Yeah, patience is a big deal that, I did not place enough emphasis on it early on. And now I, I'm very much realizing that you got to work at the horse's pace. And when the horse is ready, they will move on. Now, it's hard for us because we want to see success and we want to see it now. And we want to have our effort be rewarding. Yeah. But we need to be on the horse's time right. and not on our own time clock, which is difficult for us as human beings to perceive sometimes. I want to touch base in your journey 
who have been some of the more influential horsemen or educators in the journey or the path that you've walked? Well, there's so many great horsemen out there. I mean, like I just was watching a show not too long ago about here you have like Ty Murray. The guy's just amazing and in the rodeo world. And then to see him go and study with Dennis Reese and to learn about horsemanship and then to see this whole new world of travel he's making with horses and how he helped put together the day of the horse and on his mom's birthday and then see people on Facebook celebrating the day of the horse now. It's like pretty cool stuff. And so there's so many good people out there and horsemen. I mean, I Chris Cox is an amazing person and I love what he does to help people and, and his horsemanship and his ranch style of stuff. And you have Dennis Reese and you have, there's so many, I mean, I could just talk, you have down under horsemanship, you have all these big names out there, but there's so many people like myself that are just, we're kind of like the backup singers for the big singers. Right? <laughs> so we're out here, we're out here making a difference in the world of horses, but to, to just pick one person, you know, I think if I were to pick maybe three, Chris Cox really inspires me. I know that Dennis Reese inspires me because of the way he is with horses. And, and you know, the number one person that I really connect with is Jonathan Field. He is such a, not only is he an amazing horseman, but he's just an awesome human being. I mean, he is so polite, so nice, no matter where you see him, when you're just seeing stuff, he's just amazing. And I, to me, I have a lot of respect for all these horsemen, but... I I really um, have a lot of respect for Jonathan Field. Yeah, John was a previous guest here on Let Freedom Reign podcast and told an amazing story and his approach of, of finding the sweet spot, right, and seeking the yeah. sweet spot in a horse. I mean, again, very, very simple concept, difficult to, to achieve greatness, but the way he breaks it down, right, yeah. and makes it an attainable goal. Right. It's it's very impressive stuff and, and the, the liberty work that he does with horses and in Basically, it's a gauge of finding your honesty and your horsemanship and how good you really are to yeah. to take that tether off of the horse and see what kind of engagement you have with that animal. It's just, yeah. I mean, all the horsemen that you mentioned are extremely, extremely talented, and I've been fortunate enough to work with quite a few of them. And I guess my advice to people is don't be so narrow-minded. I mean, oftentimes, and, and it happens to me, people come up and say, hey, well, I only do horsemen a's methods or horseman b's methods and and a's don't work at all i mean don't be so narrow-minded right. i mean there's so many great resources out there take what you can from each of them and, yeah. and to each their own right i i know that the concepts of one aren't going to work for another but right don't do yourself the disservice and yeah a huge push of this podcast is just that you don't have to be a celebrity and you don't have to be a huge household name to provide value to individuals lives whether it be through horsemanship or recovery, or motivation, or inspiration, or religion, or whatever. And yeah, I get excited when we talk to everybody, because you don't know an individual story, you don't know an individual's impact, and there's so many great people in this industry. And, and I feel blessed to give an individual a platform in which to sell their story, right, and help other people. And I mean, I, I've toyed with the idea of this emotional support and understanding a horse, but never really delved into it too deep until we started having our conversations. And it's absolutely inspirational. It's in a whole nother chapter of my horsemanship that I can open up and start pursuing. And as you mentioned earlier, I'm definitely looking forward to getting together with you and hopefully we can work on some projects together. And Oh, I would love it. And just building and developing your legacy, right? You've put a lot of man hours into the method and the styles that you've developed. And, and I feel obligated to soak up as much knowledge as I can and make sure that a lot of these methods live on in the next generations. Yeah, I agree. It's like, you know, don't be, I guess you can kind of put it in a scenario like this. It's like, if you just drive a Ford all the time and you don't go experience other cars and learn from other, you know, because they're all different, even though they all have the same steering wheel and the same radio. Or yeah, they truck's all, a truck. But, yeah, truck's a truck. But when you, they have different things that are good. So don't be afraid to experiment. Learn as much as you can. Take things from other people and learn. You know, one thing I've learned over the years is, you know, growing up is like take the good stuff and keep it and get rid of the stuff that doesn't work and take the stuff that works and, and build your what works for you and your horse. Yeah. Always keep in mind that your horse needs to have a smile just like you do. And it, 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 take the steps to get there. Yeah, it's great stuff. And in closing, as we start to wrap up here, I like to give each guest the opportunity to kind of sell themselves. With Robert Gonzalez Horsemanship, can you explain to folks maybe where they can find you, clinics lined up for this year, video content, anything you got going on for 2019? My website is uh, um, 
Gonzalez, G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S, livestock.com. I'm putting a lot of the stuff on my website. I'm working on building, putting up a brand new website, but you can always call or text me. I, I enjoy going around and traveling to do clinics. A lot of the clinics I do, I involve the emotional side. So if you have 15 horses for, per se, I like to come a couple days earlier and, and get do the emotional work on the horses first. And then we do the uh, a confidence obstacle course clinic uh, for the next one or two days to help you connect the emotions to the physical side so you can teach your horse how to find softness in the work you're doing to build a platform so you guys can succeed and be happy and move forward. And, you know, if people want to contact me, you can always call or text me or email me. And my email is gonzaleslivestock at gmail.com. And, you know, I'm happy to answer any questions or help people and maybe refer people to you that could help you and where you're at in today's world with your horse that could help you better. You know, um, I, I'm happy to help people grow and learn any way I can help them, whether it's referring them to another horseman or and someone in their area that I feel that is willing to help them. And But keep an open mind and don't be afraid to learn and get out there and spend time with your horse and enjoy them and appreciate them and let softness be the key and learn to read and understand your horse better. It'll make you a happier person and it'll help develop your relationship with your horse to become a better team. Robert, I thank you very much for your time today here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. I'm really excited for Robert Gonzalez Horsemanship in 2019. I'm very much looking forward to our projects together and and getting together and kind of learning the horse at a different and deeper level. Do you have any parting words for people in closing? Thank you very much for taking the time and allowing me to be on your show. It means a lot to me, and I look forward to working with you down the road and your horse and helping you guys become a better team as well. And I just encourage people to spend time with a horse, learn to read and understand your horse and have fun and let you both smile and just enjoy your journey, no matter what discipline you ride or whether it's a mini or a draft horse. Just enjoy what you're doing and take the time to understand your horse. Nobody wants to get hurt, and I've had a lot of people, People and clients get hurt and some people have died in accidents and accidents are accidents. And it's sad when we get people get hurt or people um, wind up in a bad spot or uh, they lose their lives because of horses and or anything in life. But take the time, enjoy your horse, learn to read your horse and have fun. Robert, I sure appreciate your time and we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you so very much. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you on the next one.